Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Today's topic is, are you a good Samaritan? This was a fight for me to figure out what topic to preach. And it was a fight because I was led in two different ways. And then I heard my daddy in my ear and I was at a funeral on yesterday and people, 50 people, 75 people, I'm sorry, 75 people accepted Christ at the funeral. I know that's, that's not really impressive for a lot of us, but that's 75 more souls in glory. And, and heaven broke out with a serious Holy Ghost party. And while there, with the majority of them being young people. Some were in Muslim garb. The evangelistic spirit came on me and I heard my dad said, didn't I tell you what you were called to do? And being the firstborn, you know, I was supposed to be Melvin Jr. My mother said that the Lord had jokes and changed the E vowel to an A vowel and gave us Mary. And oftentimes when you think that you know, but you really don't know, the Lord will move in a way beyond you. He will often change what you had in mind. Can I be real for a minute? I, I was really going to be a nice OBGYN with a fabulous practice in Plymouth White Marsh. And then I was going to volunteer some of my time down there in North Philadelphia for those folks. I know y'all don't know about them folk, but hey, man, we up on the upper side of Mount Airy. So some of y'all don't know what them folk is. But uh, for those of us that might know Richard Allen or Raymond Rosen or, you know, the projects, and we came through a certain kind of life. We've made mistakes. We've done some stuff. I was just grateful that I was the firstborn daughter of the warlord of the 12th and Oxford Street gang, a little black boy in North Philadelphia who rose prominently through the police department and became one of the 10 outstanding young men in America and one of the 10 outstanding men in the world and one of the 10 outstanding policemen in the world. And yet God put him before people that they never thought he would knighted by Queen Elizabeth and yet given so much prominence, but his heart was saving souls on the street of Philadelphia in that crazy family van, the van with the coffin on top that I had to ride in because there was no other car. It was not a discussion. Do you want to get in the car? It was let's go. Nobody know about PK, understand what I'm saying? But when my daddy is taking me to girls high every day, in that car, he didn't go on Broad Street entrance, he pulled up to Alany Avenue, to the front entrance, where we had all of the guys trying to pick up the girls high beauties. Everybody don't understand. Central and King and Germantown and Lincoln and Alany, and they were all trying to see who did. And my dad would pull right up playing Dave Boyer's I Surrender All and open up the door for me to get out. 
And they literally would part the waves to let me walk right up the main steps. I'm like, Daddy, really? Come on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at my teen years. I want to be given a different vision. And he said, I have a message for all of those wonderful young men. If you come near my daughter, I already have a coffin set for you. I didn't see it then. I didn't appreciate it so much. But when I developed my personal relationship with Jesus Christ, because my mom and my dad introduced me to him. I accepted him. My dad baptized me. But then you can't just live off of mommy and daddy. I had to develop my own relationship. And when I did, and it became real to me, and it was something that I could call my own, I then begin to give God praise because I don't go anywhere that somebody says, is that your crazy daddy? He stopped me from gang warring or he's arrested me and talked to me or you did this or you did that. I'm in the prison system, have been for over 40 years. I can't tell you the countless guys that say, I should have listened to your dad on the street. The impact that he has had for all the souls that he has won and yet the highest, the highest of honors he received. His greatest honor was that my crown will be full of people who accepted Jesus Christ. And I don't care if they call me crazy. I'm crazy when it comes to my Jesus. I'm crazy about my family and I'm crazy about my church. But I want to put as many people at the feet of Jesus who are saved that I can in my lifetime. And so until we learn and understand really what evangelism is, we just play in church, y'all. We just want some people to come in as long as they look like us. They write checks with more digits before than behind the decimal. Make sure they cash. Because we don't take, you know, access cards. We don't want no one to come in here that looks like us. I'm sorry, the former us. Because we're saved now. We're deacon so-and-so and deaconess so-and-so and prophet this one and apostle that one. And the Lord has brought us a mile of long ways. But we don't really want to look back and wonder how we got over. And we are guilty of hoping that those people find Jesus because every man for himself and God for us all. That's why even after a pandemic, you would think we would be better at being a good Samaritan. But we really are not. The word of the Lord that I wanted to raise up before you is this verse, verse number 36 and 37. Which down of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto the lawyer, go and do likewise. Father, speak. Do it again, God. Your children are listening. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. This passage of scripture has been preached in many ways, and I've listened to it all of my life, as have you. 
And when we hear about the Good Samaritan, we all say, yeah, I did that. We like to write down our resume of stuff that we have done. You know, how many food drives we've given to, how many Thanksgiving baskets we've helped people with. We've even given the poor homeless guy a dollar outside of the store. We, we have even sometimes, if we felt led, bought someone a meal, paid it forward so that we could be kind. But beyond what was done is the spirit of what is done. Can I talk real for a minute since I feel like I'm playing with it? Ladies, amen. Valentine's Day is coming, and if you're boo your man your mate whatever you classify him as comes in the house and brings you some flowers and says here and puts them on the table where you want to go eat can, can some sister tell me how you would love that i don't see no hands you'd be feeling a certain kind of way can can i speak for all of y'all where my divas at okay all right uh you know <laughs> you might pick them up put them in the trash you might Give him a side eye. Because it wasn't what he bought. It was how he gave it. Come on, gentlemen. You were taught don't eat angry food. So if she cooks you a fabulous meal and then throws it down in front of you and say, here. And you know she mad from the night before. You might take two thoughts before you eat it. And should have followed, you know, Adam should have followed what you said. I'm really not hungry. Because it's not what you do, it's how you do it. I am pressing before you the spirit of the Samaritan. Because are we really like that good Samaritan? See, the Samaritans were those people who were part of the Jews, but there was a family split. Some of us come from that. You know, mom and dad divorced, and now dad has a stepmom, and mom has a stepdad, and family split, and the half-brothers and the step-brothers and all of that, we all don't get along. I know we say we love God and all of that, but I really can't stand them people. I'm just talking real today. I'm not going to break out in Arabic, Italian, and Greek. I'm going to just talk plain. You know, because some of us are fighting with that even now. We've had to bring in some people in our family because of the pandemic that we really didn't know and can't stand even the more. And our grace has been pushed beyond measure in mercy and in kindness. So when there's a family split, there's a war going on. But we see that this happened in the beginning of time between two siblings in the Garden of Eden. So we should not be that shocked that it happens in families today. I know... We all come from a Christian family, but everybody ain't always that Christian. So here's the Samaritans, the ones hated by the Jews because they wanted to do something other than what was the norm. And so they were ostracized. Nobody hated each other more than these Samaritans and these Jews. But the Samaritan was that group of people that nobody wanted. You know, the ones that used to be the half, the step, the other. They were the ones that were called the mistake. They were the ones that weren't born in the family. They were darker than the rest of them or lighter than the other one. They had no identity and nobody wanted to embrace them. I know none of you all in here might have those issues, but there are plenty of people out here who don't know who they are because besides not only knowing who they are, they have no idea who their legacy is. 
They suffer with being ostracized and annihilated. And they don't feel like they have a sense of belonging. And then they come to the church where you got to be in a certain class and you got to act a certain way. You got to know how to say God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And you got to know how to be able to say, I bless the Lord at all times. And you mad when you got here and you're going to be mad when you leave. The worship team can't bring you the praise because I don't like them songs. How come they sang that? Why didn't they sing my song? You upset because the deacon didn't pray because the worship leader sang. And how come we can't do this? And what's the problem? And what's upsetting? And so you came into the church and find out that you sat on the wrong song. You sat in the wrong seat because you ain't the deacon. You sat in the wrong section because you ain't an elder. You sat in the wrong place because you ain't a nurse. And everybody and shifted you around and if you ain't dressed like us and looking like us and act like you belong we shit you in the back because we don't want to be embarrassed because of a young lady coming here with a skirt too high too tight that all the men are going to sound out take a look at the women get upset we want to cover her from neck to foot with a cloth so she don't cause nobody to stumble and nobody to sin. Good God Almighty, one look can do that. My sisters, if your man can fall to that, that talks about what you ain't capable of doing. Yeah, I said it, I'm here to represent it. But beyond that, a drunk can come in here smelly and we want to help him out by putting him in the back because we don't want him to perfume our perfect chairs. Yet something drew them. There was a spirit that caused them to say, let me go in here. And how many have been annihilated and kicked out, coming to a place for healing, but could not get the help. You don't belong. My daddy told me that one of the reasons why he left his home church, who he loved and was at for 20 years, was because he went outside and got 12 drunks from the corner of Dolphin and Susquehanna and said, come on to church. Had the nerve to bring them down front and sit in Deacon's row. Deacon Chairman said, who are these people? He said, oh, I bought them from the corner. They said up there, we got a three o'clock service. He said, yeah, but they sitting in our chairs and they ain't no members. Take him to the back and grieved in his spirit. He went in the back and sat with them. They sat him down because he didn't get permission. And he knew that. I can't be no place where I can't do what the church is supposed to be doing. And as much as it hurt him, he went to his pastor and he said, I have to leave. He said, well, you know, you know, come on, well, you know, he said, I have to leave. Because there are more people out there that should be running in here. And we only have a four members only club. Here's the Samaritan. Hate it. And so as the story tells us, if I can use it in the 2021 imagination, Somebody left up out of here from a high time in Jerusalem. Oh, glory. Didn't we have a good time in New Covenant today? Oh, Lord, they sang, they preached. Good God Almighty. Got to Germantown Avenue. 
Somebody got beat up over there in the old trolley car lot, laying on the ground. Car after car just pulls out, makes a left, makes a right. Nobody stops. Bleeding by the side of the road. No deference to pastor or bishop, but you know, the big associate ministers and all that. They, they, they ride on by. They stop. You know, oh, well, we hope somebody get it. Let me call Deacon, see if he can do it. Deacon, come by. What you want? Here's $3. Get up off of yourself. We're going to call 911. And all the man needs is a little bit of care. But a stranger who ain't really that saved, maybe a Muslim, runs over. And immediately, he becomes the Samaritan. Hated, misunderstood, not necessarily one of us. Because you know, God didn't call us to the hospitality. God didn't call us to do nurse. I'm on my way, I'm busy, I've got things to do, I've got places to go, I've got situations, I've got family, we're on our way to dinner, we got stuff to do. You know sometimes you can be too busy for real ministry. Sometimes a look, a smile, hello, how you doing? God bless you, means so much to people when they're needy. We become judgmental. How come they ain't got no job? Why they out here begging? How come that man out here saying I'm homeless and I'm hungry and I want something? How come he ain't got nothing? You don't know that he was a vet that came back and his wife left him because he has PTSD and he's in the street. You don't know that he got out of jail and got nobody to come. You don't know what his story is. You don't even know what her story is. And I was, I was so upset because I recently, not too long ago, was at a McDonald's across from a well-known church and folks were just flying by and this woman's walking by with no shoes on, begging for somebody to buy her some McDonald's food. I know it ain't sanctified. I get it, but y'all ate it too. What? I was trying to catch a quick meal on my way to another service. Give me a happy meal and be done with it. Lord, bless the impurities. Okay. But she's standing there with no shoes on. And I didn't have any cash. So I said to the lady, I said, Mother, what do you want? She said, oh, I want me a Big Mac with french fries and drink. Can you make it large? Now, you know how we get when you go and do something for somebody and then they be specific. But my Bible tells me, ask what you want. We do that, but nobody can ask of us. I said, Lord, I hope my Mac, you know, my car to go through. Funds is low. And I went ahead and ordered the food and gave it to her. And she's standing there. She said, you church people, ain't you? Because of the way I was dressed. I said, yeah. She said, yeah, all them church people walk by me. I said to her, I said, what do you need? She said, I stay with my niece. She kicks me out at 8 in the morning. I can't get back into when she gets back at 10 o'clock at night. I don't have a coat. I don't have shoes. I don't have anything. I just want to get out and get on my own. I happened to know a young lady who worked with people who had some mental issues. I called her on the phone. I said, can you please come and see this woman? I gave the woman the number. I said, can you make a phone call? She said, I can make a phone call. I said, call her 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. She will come to you and help you. 
Three weeks later, a young lady called me. She said, I not only picked up the woman, I got her shots, I gave her a full physical, made sure she had done, we got her the right treatment for her medication, for her psychological issues, and now she's working part-time as a receptionist, 20 hours a week, and one of our houses helping somebody else. And all it took was one, me stopping. See, sometimes we have to stop. Not do the ride by. Let me call somebody for you. Sometimes you gotta stop. Because that means that you see a need. You notice it. And you're going to then not only stop, but I got out. And when she got her food, I gave her the $3 I had hid up in my little thing in the car. I said, it ain't much, but such as I have. She said, I was just hungry. Because he not only stopped, he stooped. He took pity. We have no compassion about nothing no more. Women can get shot up and killed. Oh, God, the whole in my family. Kids can get a bullet in their heads. Violence is at an all-time high. And nobody's sitting in front of their television crying over the lost people. I've done more funerals with people who have been shot down, young men and women in the streets of Philadelphia. And we're given the opportunity to eulogize, even though I hear it from my fellow preachers. You know, it's not safe. There's too many people in there that, you know, don't worry about COVID, you know. Go guard, you could catch something. I could catch something in here too. But I got my shot. I'm on assignment. There are lost souls. I've been at funerals what infuriates me. That we're going to go through the order of service and you can see that everybody in there ain't churched. So the clerk is going to get up and read 35 minutes of resolutions? Because that's what we do up in here. What's wrong with you? You can see that the people don't know church, can't stand church. You can look and see by the way they dress. But when I officiate, I put the house in order. Gentlemen, take your hats off. You can't go into Majid or the synagogue with that. You're not coming in here with that. Take them off. Number two, put them phones off. The family don't want to see it on Facebook. And I know that I got to do it in 55 minutes because their ADHD will start setting in and they'll all get up like jack-in-the-boxes and go in and out and stand outside and not even hear the word of the Lord. While we trying to lay this one to rest. Interrupt the service if you have to. Read one card, one resolution. Thank God for the rest of you, the family or acknowledgement. Let's move on. I went to the funeral of a young lady at a church in Mount Airy, not far from here. She committed suicide. Her entire class was there. 300 students. Half of them, more than half of them ain't churched. And the pastor would not move from the service. The principal got up and said, we're only here at 1.30. Service started at 11. And two and a half years later, we are still sitting here reading resolutions and having remarks and giving all of this stuff that at 1.20, a mass exodus left the building. And he wasn't even up for the eulogy. It made me so sick I had to get up and walk out. 
Because there's a field of people in your presence coming to your house. And you can't even read the audience. What is wrong with us? People are coming and some of them for the first time. I'm not talking about being out of order because I'm about order. But there is a time when the move of the spirit says, let's change this. So Sister Suki's going to sing, take me to the king, and she don't get to sing it, and she's going to be mad and not come to church for the next two weeks. That's her problem. Go somewhere else where you can do that. This is not a show. There are lives at stake. Then he not only stooped and had compassion, but he sacrificed. He took action. He paid for the man to be taken care of for two months at the end. So with oil and wine, the Holy Spirit showing oil and wine being the blood of Jesus Christ. Who are we to think that we're better than somebody else? Just close your eyes for a minute. Think where you were. Wrong house, the wrong car. Could have died from snorting the wrong thing. Could have died from shrinking behind the wheel. Could have died because somebody threw you in a trash can and nobody wanted you. You came through the foster care system and, and all of those things. And you grew up angry and bitter and resentful and thought that you should have had everything in life that was due to you. Yeah, you've had a great life and you're middle to upper class and you got all this nice stuff and all this money, but you're not even happy with yourself. You got a sour disposition. You're bitter and you're angry. You're alone and you barely only come to church because at least I do that. Like you doing God a favor, coming in here with your lips twisted up, disrespecting the head of the house, and we coming up before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We ain't doing him no, 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 absolutely nothing by coming up in here. He don't need you like that. But he expects you to honor the head of the house. I couldn't walk into my grandmother's house, my parents' house, and not speak and say good morning. I couldn't come in there with an attitude and act any kind of way. I get a backslap that make me recognize who owns the house. So how dare you come into his house? Well, I'm thinking about the Eagles at 405. Well, I'm thinking about the Sixers that are tipping at 2 o'clock. Well, I'm thinking about my roast that's in the oven. You ought to have a timer on that bad boy. And if you don't, keep it on real low. What about where am I going? What am I doing? next coming in here mad upset I hope they don't be too long wait a minute the clock ended and she's still talking don't she know when service is over we stick to the grip My daddy taught me mess up so bad the first time, they won't call you back. So since I got the mic, I might as well mess up real bad. We come in here, barely speak. We don't like the people over here, so we sit all the way over here. We ain't on the praise team because there's always one who always leads the song and they don't give me no chance. Well, what are you doing to help promote it? What is it that we need to do? 
And we come in here and we disrespect Jesus who's sitting right here saying, are you thinking about me? Where your mind at? You come in here thinking about everything else and I woke you up this morning. I started you on your way. You got in your nice car, your nice Uber, your nice stuff. You got nice clothes and I got you here without an incident or an accident. And you come up in here thinking about everything else, disrespecting me in my house and they have the nerve to say to me, God bless me again. I'm like, mama, if you ain't grateful for what I have done, I don't have to do another thing. Because we are so caught up on who we are and what we are. And yet we haven't realized who the Good Samaritan is. May I submit to you that the Good Samaritan is Jesus. That we were battered and beaten and bruised and we were messed up and jacked up. Somebody prayed for us. We finally broke, came to the altar, gave our heart to Christ, and the Good Samaritan said, I got you. I paid for all your sins. I paid your debt. You don't even got to pay me back. I just want you to take the time to get healing. Come to my house, learn more from a great man like Bishop Granham and, 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 and Pastor Oliver. Come and learn of me and excite me. But when you come to my house, forget all the rest of what's happened all week long. Forgot that you argued with your mate on your way here. Forgot that your kids got on your nerves and, and your coffee wasn't right at Dunkin' Donuts. Forget all of that. Because when you walk through the door into my house, the house of healing and the house of sanctity and the house of praise and the house of joy, you're going to feel something because I'm sitting right here. I'm ready to give it to you, whatever you want, whatever you need, but you got to come right. Aren't we glad that Jesus is the good Samaritan, that when we were nothing, he stopped, he stooped, and he sacrificed so that we could be made whole. I know that ain't sexy, and I ain't going to get no shout chance, but when I think of where I was and where I am and where I could have been when I should have been dead three times over I know of forgetting the unseen dangers that could have came by I can't help but get excited I can't help but just well bless the Lord no thank you Lord you're giving me another chance another day another reason and I'm saved I messed up yesterday and last night, even this morning. But thank you when I came in your house and I saw the cross. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. And who are we? The innkeepers. You know, innkeepers take anybody in. And yet, the church is more isolating than ever before. People with challenges. The mental health, we're going to pray and bless them with oil and hope they sin, get rid of it. And that might be a real physiological issue. Like you take blood pressure medicine, your diabetes and insulin. They may need something to metabolize them and keep them straight. But once they do, everybody's a demon. What are the demons you got? Gossip? Anger? Bitterness? Just downright nasty. 
can't compliment nobody. You ain't smiled in so long. Your face would crack if you did. Just mean. Because of some hurt in your life and you blame God. You still mad at somebody who's been dead 50 years and ain't thinking about you. That's why I am because of what they did. From what year? 1950. What? You holding on to that and refuse to serve? Refuse to give? Refuse to help? That's why you're not a good innkeeper. We should be the innkeepers. People who come in here who are not like us, who don't look like us, who look like they may have a little issue with their identity. Lord, forgive us. Lord, oh God, we got that. Yeah, we got it. It's been in the church longer than y'all think. Y'all just blinked your eyes and hope it would go away. Come on. We loved them in the choir, honey, because they could direct that choir. We had the best choir ever. Well, they just special. Wholesale, outright. But now they're bold. What does what does the what does the word, word say about that? All have sin. He say all except the good folks, the right folks, the assured folks. He said all have sin and come short of the glory of God. And if you are so saved and you so sanctified, whatever they got, you ought to be the stronger one who can bear the infirmities of the weak and raise them up in a way that you are not compromised. Because if this is a house of prayer, no demon will stay here too long. All the intercessors and the prayers and we can't keep a demon out, something's wrong. They're not even scared of our churches anymore. They walk in here. They walk by them. They eat chicken bones. They have no fear. But when I came through, they would come through and tip their hat and cross the street and get them. Out of fear. There's no reverence. Where's our power? And we, me, and we serve a God who is sovereign, who is the only one, who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the bride, he is the bridegroom coming. We got no power. But I'll tell you this. Are you really a good Samaritan? Are you thankful that Jesus was the good Samaritan who saved you? who stopped, stooped, and sacrificed for you? Are you that maniacal, that judgmental, that you would rather walk by somebody who you think ain't worth it and let them go to hell while you're on your way to heaven? Are you saving and sacrificing for your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, ironically, even after Jesus ascended, they mentioned Samaria. The people you hate, the ones who can't stand you, you hope they go to hell because you told them to go there so many times. 
in your unsaved moment. And the uttermost parts of the world. I submit to you, if we're really a good Samaritan, we're going to be like Christ, who is the good Samaritan. And he's going to give charge to the innkeeper. That's us. Thank you for the food drives. Thank you for the clothes drives. Thank you for the turkey baskets and the wonderful stuff that we do. We pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, my God, we helped somebody. That's nice. People will come and take it all day long because they need it. They want it. How do you receive them when they come in the end? Can they stay here for two months and get oil and wine and be taught and be nurtured and be healed? Can they be embraced just as they are? Loved on, given compassion? Hmm. That's why I asked the question. Are you really a good Samaritan? Are you like Christ? Are you the innkeeper he's given charge to? Or would you just rather go to Jesus, bless his name, and go to heaven anyhow? I submit to you today, as you think about your own interactions with all those you interact with, the bank teller, the girl, the cashier, the mailman, yes, even the person with a sign saying, I'm hungry. Don't just gawk. Sometimes stop. Sometimes show compassion. Give your last. God will bless you a hundred times over. I can, I'm a living testimony of that. I'll give him my last dollar. And I'll close with this, with a man who was standing in Broad and Erie. He asked me what church I went to. I said, oh, I go to the Green and see more up there. He said, who's your pastor? I said, Melvin Floyd. He said, the crazy man with the van on top. I said, yeah. He said, oh, wow, I don't know how I'll get there. But thank you, sweetheart. I went in and got him a coffee and donut from the place on the corner. I'm waiting on the H bus. I got up there. This was Wednesday. Sunday morning, he walked into the church. Walked. Walked. Had no money for the bus, but walked. When I saw him, he came in. You know, the usher at the door was like, you know. I got up off the organ. See, there's the cop in me. Y'all forgive me. And I scooted to the back of the sanctuary. I said, what's the problem? Well, you know, he said he looking for somebody. He don't know the name. I said, I know him. I didn't invite him, but I saw him Thursday. I grabbed him by the hand. I brought him right down front and had him sit on the front row where the deaconess was. You should see how fast they shifted. I said, thank you, Lord, for revealing to me they're not quite yet that spiritual. And he sat there through the whole service. And I went up to the pulpit and I told my dad who he was. And my dad came down doing pastoral remarks and shook his hand. He said, thanks for being here, fella. You know, and at the end, he stood up. He said, can I say something? My father said, yeah, man, go ahead, people. <laughs> we about ready to do the benediction. Now you wanna let somebody speak. Good folk, but sometimes we get off kilter. 
I just said, sure. He said, I ran to your daughter. She didn't invite me, but she told me where you were. My uncle knows you. You saved his life when he got arrested. I don't know Jesus, but I saw a little bit in her. That's why I came. I don't feel too comfortable here. Is this a good place to be? My dad started crying. He said, I'm sorry if anybody in this congregation made you feel uncomfortable. But from now on, when you come here, you sit right there. And I dare somebody to say something. That man got up and fell on his knees. I just want to be saved. I was going to jump off the 30th Street Bridge and commit suicide. But I got a coffee and a donut, and I got full, and I figured I didn't want to die with this full stomach. And then I came, and I walked, lived at 10th and Allegheny, and walked to Green and Seymour. And not only did he get saved, he was on time before time every Sunday eager to learn Sunday school. And my father trusted him and set him aside as a trustee. And he went all the way up to chairman of the deacon board and served until my father no longer could serve as pastor. That's just one. Are we going to be good innkeepers, people? You never know who's among you. You don't know what they need. You can be a saint struggling with the same thing that you think unsaved people are dealing with. That's why it's so nice to be kind. Thank you for the hospitality. I felt like I was a queen or something up in this piece. But I hope that's how you treat everybody. I close with this. If you know that maybe you haven't had the right spirit of being a good Samaritan, and you want to take the time now to say, Lord, I don't know who I might have offended. They know I'm a church person. They know I'm a Christian, and I wasn't at my best. Who can I help? Please, God, help me to encounter them so I can make it right. But if not... Forgive me and let me start again. You have to be able to do that first if you know Jesus Christ. I want to believe that everyone here is saved, but I don't want to take that for granted. Because Jesus is worth getting to know. He's got to be invited. He doesn't do home invasions, so he ain't going where he don't want to go. But Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You got to open up the door and say, Come on in. He won't kick it in. He won't climb through the window. He's not a thief except when he's coming to get his church. So if you don't know Jesus, may I submit that you don't leave the same way you came. That you just say, Lord, I, I need you. Can't make it without you. And I, 
I want to thank you for keeping me alive so I can ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. Is there anyone today who is not sure their salvation? Maybe you thought you were saved when you walked down the aisle and you joined the church when no one asked you, or you just got baptized and got wet because it was the thing to do. If you have not opened up your mouth and confessed the Lord Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you're not saved, and today will be a wonderful day on such an auspicious occasion to do that. Anyone at all who just wants to say, Jesus, I want to make sure my name is in the book. No eraser, no whiteout can take you out. You're saved until the day of his coming. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.